0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jump In Podcast, or how I like to call it, what does it take to become a freelance survivor? This podcast is designed to help you get into the freelance world, to support you on your journey from beginning until the end. I am your host, Doina, a talent acquisition specialist with over six years of experience in freelancing. Hello, we are back with another episode and today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Tracy Lamori, who's a high-profile international award-winning publicist. She's the founder and managing director of Lamori Media, a Universal Women's Network 2020 Women of Inspiration winner for the Women in Media Awards, She's well-known, long-time advocates on important worldwide issues and an award-winning international publicist working across industries from major entertainment projects to small business so I will let her introduce herself,
1: where she is right now, how she started in entrepreneurship and let's hear from her. Hello, hello. Uh, so yeah, I am currently about 40 minutes from Toronto. I'm a Canadian girl, Toronto girl and I live about 40 minutes from Toronto in a city called Hamilton just west of Toronto and that's where I've been for the last year and a bit <laughs> seeing out COVID. So normally, you know, I'm an I'm international award-winning publicist working from home and normally I do all kinds of VIP parties and international travel. If you were talking to me in 2019, there's no, who knows where I'd be. I was in, you know, everywhere from Las Vegas to Los Angeles to the Mediterranean to the Caribbean, you know, all on different work projects that year. But we're all locked down now, so I'm doing all the magic from home. But still, I I work internationally and across borders and across industries and basically PR and media, which is elevating and celebrating the amazing work that other people are doing just to kind of shed light on what they're doing and to give them a voice.
0: That's amazing. Welcome to the team working from home for the last year.
1: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Talk to me about your beginnings. You've been in this arena for
1: years. How did you start? So I formally started um, in terms of the, the straight business stuff. Ten years ago, I started as a freelancer. And five years ago, I had a general partnership. And this year, we um, incorporated to so are Lamori Media Inc. But the actual story of how I got here is a lot longer than that. I learned how to write a press release back in 1998, when I was still entry-level sales and marketing, a young activist like my husband Dave Parkinson we were both entry-level sales and you know doing activist stuff when it wasn't our day job you know in the evening and stuff weekends we came upon the story of Jimmy Dennis a man who was factually innocent on death row in Pennsylvania became involved with that case learned how to write a press release basically to get the word out for him and it was the beginning of an 18 or 19 year journey where we led unpaid a pro bono not-for-profit campaign to let the world know about an innocent man who'd been sentenced to death and you know eventually lawyers got involved and you you know we got a t- an international team and long story short <laughs> it took 19 years but he was he was released from death row he's now free in 2017 uh, on evidence of factual innocence and now he's a recording artist an r&b artist making amazing music and i'm his publicist so somewhere along the line there it hit me that i had developed skills in learning to deal with media that i could monetize essentially so by the we started all that when we were 28 and it t- wasn't until i was 41 that i thought hey gee i can make a business out of the skills that i've learned here and that's what i started you know freelancing and my business journey in terms of being a publicist and that's led me to where I am now which is again international award-winning literally working across continents working across industries in an amazing fun career and it all started because you know it was it was about helping somebody else and then and it kind of came into what I'm doing now but it was absolutely unplanned I never went to school for this this isn't the normal trajectory for a publicist but this is where we are
0: that's amazing that's such a story so from entry <laughs> sales and marketing just writing a press release that was your wake-up call that you could start freelance and offer more
1: as a solopreneur? Well, it was 10 years between the writing the press release and that thought. So, I mean, I, I learned to write a press release in, 20, in 1998 when I was 28 years old and then I successfully did that for years, you know, both for Jimmy Dennis and then later on for a political campaign that I got involved with just as a citizen, you know, volunteering. And then uh, it suddenly hit me when I was 41 and I was, you know, ready to make another 20 phone calls for a job I didn't care about, you know. <laughs> sales yeah. job. and then uh it just suddenly hit me wait a minute you know the skills that I've developed I could actually like people would pay for that you know like I could do this for businesses I could do this for entertainers people don't know how to get into media and I understand media so I literally it, it took a long time it, it was like 11 you know it was years and years from when I wrote my first press release to when I thought of doing it professionally like I mean 13 years <laughs> but once I started thinking about doing it professionally there was no stopping me I got you know I started as a freelancer got a couple of clients did a amazing because I I work hard and I'm good at what I do got the good reviews and then just you know got more confidence because now I'm in the game I guess I'm really a publicist I'm getting paid and I'm doing the work you know and then I just going higher and higher and don't be afraid of going to every table and telling people what you can do and just get yourself out there and using media to get yourself out there the way I do for my clients I did for myself which brought me to the top of my field and so now I also speak in addition to doing PR I speak about how people can use media and publicity to get to the top of any field like I did
0: that's amazing you have such a journey which can inspire all of us. And how did you find your first client? Because it's been like so many years already on this track, on this journey for you. In case if you remember, where did you find that first client?
1: Good question. And funnily enough, two of my first clients are still actually with me now. So wow. originally I didn't know how to get a client or what to do or whatever. So the first thing I did is, um, you know, research. And, and I found a site that was then called Elance. It's now called Upwork, I think. But it was then called Elance and it basically thousands of different freelance jobs you can do from actual PR to like telesales to like graphic design to you know there's all kinds of things on there and so I went on there and I found you know originally I found some communication stuff because I've always been a writer oh let me write this let me write that and prove myself on that and funnily enough I met some amazing people on that the first one of the first people that hired Elance back in the day was Angela Sadler-Williamson who's still with me today as a client of Lamori Media and she is the cousin of Rosa Parks like the Rosa Parks exactly Exactly. and she right and she was doing a book and a movie or at that time it was a documentary movie my life with real estate and then since then she's done a book but that was one of my very first clients so right there off the gate i'm in a major project with a major big name and you know it's possible to find those things and again i was just on a site called elance i didn't know who who might find me and that's who found me and uh, other people too other but you know the first couple of jobs i got i just did really well and i made sure you know did everything well and i did it for low pay at first not that one but you know what I mean like I, I put myself out there say hey I'll do it just give me a try and then people tried me and then I got the accolades and the you know the positive customer, you know, re- results, Feedback, and then yeah. from, you get, all you need is one, and then you need one more, and then you need one more, and then after that, you're a professional, and you've got backup to do what you're doing.
0: So interesting you say that because a lot of people nowadays are not ready to lower their prices in order to get that first client. I don't know if it's about ego or if it's about the value they are perceiving of the service they are offering, and I understand, like, it can be uncomfortable for a lot of Yeah, them. and that
1: is a journey, like, and, and then it's hard for entrepreneurs to price right because once you've done that low with the pricing thing, then how do you get the confidence to go higher and to realize that no, this is the pricing you know that the industry demands, and that's the journey for entrepreneurs too. So, but you know when you're starting out and you, like I didn't go to school for this, so I had to. Well, how do I get someone to take me on? Well, you know sometimes going low isn't always a good deal too, because then there is that perception maybe you're not getting the same value that you would get with someone that's charging a higher price, right? But I mean that's just not true. You just have to be careful about the way you present it and make sure people you know your work is excellent and that. People people understand that you're building here and you know that's what it's all about it's always a balance right that's the trick of entrepreneurship it's always that balance and it is definitely hard to price yourself like that balance between you don't want to undervalue yourself either but then you also need to build up your reputation and show what you not just say it right so
0: yes and what I notice with a lot of freelancers starting when they lower their price you know the imposter syndrome kicks in they think mm-hmm. they are not valuable for the next client to charge more or they mm-hmm. stay at the same price for a year, to years, yep. they are stuck, and they just That's definitely, they yeah. relapse and go back to the office.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? This and that is was happens. definitely one of my biggest challenges, for sure, was getting that, especially since I jumped into PR without, like, I hadn't been trained for it for five years, I didn't go to industry, I never met a publicist until recently, you know, I never read a book on PR, I never studied PR, I never met another publicist, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have an industry to fit myself into, I kind of created what I thought it should be from what I should do. and the result is that people tell me I do more than any other publicist has ever done for them because to me it's the person's it's not just media it's their whole public image their whole public self that's inspiring
0: I wanted to know how did you learn to price a service correctly once you knew what's your value how did you find what's your value
1: in your niche I had a lot of argument with myself about how to price and so I have not a sliding scale I have uh, sorry options different pricing options so I have options you know like it's a boutique package I can get you this 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 and this for this smaller amount so you don't just have to go to a PR company and need three thousand bucks a month three months minimum to get any media attention I can get you this this and this for this smaller investment of under a thousand a month but I'm not undercutting myself because I know because I I am where I am my career now and I've developed the relationships I've developed I know when someone comes to me oh yeah I can get you in this right away based on my relationship with this editor I can get you in here I can get you in here I can get you there and that part that's only like three hours of my time and now for the rest of your time I can for your other thousand dollars you know I can devote another five hours whatever it is and you're so I'm still getting paid, you're still getting amazing results, but you're not necessarily having it. So basically long story short is I really boutique my prices so that everyone's getting exactly what they need. That's pretty interesting because a lot of freelancers think
0: a small business owner will have to pay the same a price for the service like a big company does. So having nope. it like packaged is a very good idea. Would mm-hmm. you recommend like two or three
1: options of packaging for their service? Now, I think that it's a really good idea to have three options actually. And when I started I had one price. And then and when I offered two tiers, you know, I, you learn as you go. I know I learned a lot. Then it became a lot. A lot of people would choose the upper tier. And now I have three tiers because again, you learn as you go. And you know, when people want me my time, like if they need to have a bunch of conference calls, a whole lot of writing, and a whole bunch of me like engage with them all the time, you know, then that that's going to be a premium price. They just happy to trust me for the month and then get the results of them a bunch of media that I get them, you know, and then they can pay the smaller budget and they end up at the end of the month with a whole lot because it was really important to me to. Day to continue to be able to price for people who would not be able to afford big budget PR. want to help people get to that level. You can definitely have different pricing for different packages and I think if you have three different tiers with clear delineation of what you can expect at those three different prices, people will choose their price point and you will get more clients than losing them you know, than losing them because they're out of budget or because you're under what they expect to pay.
0: I think more options will be better, like to Mm. get your clients on your side. And I love how simple you keep your business because it's so (laughs) clear, you know, if a newbie freelancer can understand it, for sure your client will understand its value as well.
1: And I had to do it that way because people don't understand PR, you know, they really, most people don't know what a publicist does or they don't think about it in terms of what could a publicist do for a small business or an entrepreneur or, because entrepreneurs, they understand the advertorial, but not the editorial, like we always talk about, right? That the advertising, but not the telling your story
0: did you have any moment of relapse or being so overwhelmed when you are freelancing that you say I'm, I'm gonna give up I'm going back to an office I'm going back to my
1: nine-to-five no way And I, that sounds like <laughs> horror, it sounds like a horror nightmare the other day I literally posted entrepreneur for life
0: a friend you know. of mine Carrie was saying like once you go into this you're not employable anymore
1: <laughs> no absolutely it's funny because I was talking to my business consultant who like me serves several different clients and you know and she allowed herself to be hired and we argued about how oh, oh my God, she really didn't want to, but because she has a client that she's been working with for 20 years, like, and this client had, you know, issues where they just needed some correction with their business and they needed to hire a CFO instead of just having her as the accountant, they needed like a full-on, she took the job because the client really, really needed her to help them with this. But it's funny because they were, she was off over a hundred thousand dollars a salary, a few weeks vacation, car, like all the stuff that if you're in the corporate world, you would look at and think, oh my God, that's like, how could anybody ever say no to that, right? And she was like, but, but, you know, I don't know. Like, like right now, I don't make $100,000 a year. I probably made 70000 in my business last year. This year, it's a lot more. Like, now, you could not, like, literally, you could offer me, a hundred, no lie. I mean, I'm saying this on the radio and to anybody else. You could offer me $150,000 a year job with a car and five weeks vacation. I could be the boss of it all with a giant corner office, whatever corporate people love, you know. But I have to be there in my office at not, from 9 to 5 in that place and do that. Like, to me, I can't even get my head around that. And I, I know that sounds so, and I work way more than nine 9 to five, I work probably 18 hours a day, but I decide when I work. You so know, like true. I decide it and well, my, I mean, really, the truth is my clients are messaging me there and I, I'm responding to them. So they're deciding really you have like 10 bosses or 38 bosses when you have 38 clients, right? But at the same time, it, it's different. It's not like I have to be somewhere at nine o'clock unless it's for a client project that we decided on. It's a different thing. And also the idea of like having all your eggs in that one bath to me is terrifying. Like to other people, they think that seems secure security to have a company but to me all i think is if one company's paying me all it only takes one person to call me into their office one day and say you know what trace it's been nice but you got two weeks and then we're not paying you anymore and then what like to me that the fact that people find that secure blows my mind because literally one person then you walk out your entire life changes because they just decided not to have you anymore now you're crazy worried now you got to find somebody else to give you that money now you gotta you know me i have 38 clients you know if half of them left me tomorrow and I hope they don't because I love every one of them <laughs> but if half of them left me tomorrow I wouldn't be devastated in terms of my business if three quarters of them left me tomorrow if 30 of the 38 left me tomorrow I would still have the 8 I would still be able to survive and I would still I would be able to go get 30 more when you have that what you're on the corporate track you think oh I'm secure no you're not you got just one if you don't please them you're gone so true you know as a
0: freelancer is like we own bad time however when you go to a 95 time own. Oh,
1: you. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot, like I even think, gee, how do people, you know, if I was working in an office like I did 20 years ago right now, you know what I mean? I think I would have to like, you know, you, you just plan schedule. Like, I mean, I have so many, it's not like I don't have a response. I may mean, I have a million scheduled things every single day, probably more than I did before. Right. But if I need to change them, I'm not going to get fired. You can be as smart as wise as whatever. But if you're in the corporate, it's other people making all the decisions that you live or die on.
0: So true, Tracy, you were saying you're working with 48 clients. What are some tips you can share with us on how to deal with difficult clients? I don't end up having
1: difficult clients at the end because I end up, you know, I don't renew those contracts long term. I like to work with people that we, you know, we vibe and we get each other. And, you know, it's all pleasant. But I definitely have worked with all kinds of different personalities. And, you know, in PR, the reason I say, you know, like, I have to really feel that person and their and their, what they're doing in order to give them a platform and to, to be excited about, you know, building their brand. A lot of PR is, you know, is communications, connections, and people management, whether it's clients or the people that they're dealing with that might be problematic or whether it's just keeping things smooth and cool so people don't get problematic. You know, knowing how to communicate with people is key to everything. It's funny, that reminds me of, I was on a podcast the other day and it was a business at work podcast, but the podcaster is a, a California police officer. And when I heard that, I was like, I was like oh, that might be interesting because, you know, because I'm an activist it's done work in social justice in the justice system and everything. And I was kind of like, ooh, what's that going to be like? A little off-put. And she was the same way. Ooh, activist What's that going to be like? And it ended up, you know, because you have that perception. And we both ended up having a really good conversation. We were talking and I was talking about how we're all in our own little bubbles.
0: I agree with you. And this goes in all spheres of life, like personal, business. And more you listen, the more you get out of the
1: conversation. Because mm-hmm. so you were talking
0: about personal brand. How did you build your personal brand at first? Because freelancers don't have any idea where to start.
1: Okay, so depending on what you do. So for when you're trying to get clients, it's not even so much a building your brand as just you know, reaching out personally. I used LinkedIn, like I said, well, once I graduated from the Upwork or the Elance, I went to LinkedIn. And, you know, it's funny because people reach out to me on LinkedIn really badly and I've never bought anything or signed up with anybody because they do it so bad. If I reach out to 20 people, I get two clients because I know how to do it. And it really is about, it's, don't be having a canned advertorial. It's again, it comes down to treat people as humans. You know what I mean? Reach out to people as humans. Use language and talk like a person, you know, not like an ad and reach out and just talk you know look at the people's LinkedIn profiles see what they do see who you find you know you have a connection with for whatever reason and then email them and talk about that connection hey I see you do this well you know what you know I done this is what I do and this is why I was drawn to your profile and the way we pitch media know what that reporter has written about before knowing who they are is a lot more effective than just blindly throwing things same thing when you're trying to get a job or a contract all you need is one or two people I don't even think about building your brand at first everything is the same way we do for our clients look at things like help a reporter out, look at things like source bottle online platform where reporters who are under deadline are looking for sources for all kinds of things. No matter what you do, if you look at that for a week or so, you'll see things that you're qualified to answer. Send your answer in, you might find yourself in a Reader's Digest article, or I mean honestly it's not easy. Write up an article for Medium. Medium is like, people think it's like Huffington Post, but it's actually like Facebook. You can put up a picture and type whatever you want. So go get an account on Medium and build your thought leadership by starting to write something about your industry, write about what you do right and then just start to build a public presence go to a podcast matchup service and see if there's any podcasts that are talking about the stuff you do and if so send that link of the thing you just wrote about from medium so literally it's just spending an hour a day or so looking at what's out there getting your name out there reaching out to people if you're a writer write some guest posts if you're a talker get onto a podcast these are actually easy to do you just have to do the research and introduce yourself
0: that's some great tips tracy and anyone can apply starting tomorrow because you you gave us so many sources that we will have something to do for the next two, three exactly. months. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Let me know what mindset and habits help you be successful because you're running your own company for so many years. So what is driving your success?
1: I love what I do, the passion for what I do. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to get to my desk and really that should be something that you love. I'm strategic, like, you know, COVID couldn't get me down when we lost 80% of our business because of events and all that stuff being canceled for COVID. After a week of watching TV, I came back to my computer and I was like, okay, if I've lost 80% I got the other twenty percent. So don't let anything get you down. Start doing that. Don't be afraid to ask for references and referrals. It really comes down to the self-confidence to not afraid to go at any table, to not be afraid.
0: What's the biggest lesson you learned since you started to freelance?
1: That there are no limits. I would never, ever go to a corporate job because again, you can't pay me enough because I know, I've seen that I could probably do better on my own without that structure, you know? So right now I'm looking at $100,000 a year job, Ah, I'd rather wait and I'll get my own $150,000 a year. Even the jobs that I thought were so good before, I look at it now and I'm like, once you get, there's no more. That's the limit of what they're going to give you. You know, you can't get more. Whereas with us, we can build our business, it can become a billion dollars and I'm not even money motivated.
0: I love how in freelancing is like, you really have no limits, as you said, because Mm you you can change your pricing from one client to another. I would love to know what some books you recommend to business
1: owners. One that I like, it's a book called The 30% Solution by Lou Bayer, Louina Bayer, and she's a civility expert. And her thing is about how civility, which is more than being nice, but it's about everything, in the workplace is actually affects your bottom line by 30%, improves your bottom line by 30%, which means, you know, because you retain your customers, you retain your staff, every business is about People. And I've always said people are the bottom line, not profits, and the profits will come.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I will have to check it out. Mm-hmm. And a last question is how often do you audit your company goals and your personal goals? And what are your strategies? I think now
1: that we're incorporated, we're looking at what we're doing and we're looking at what, uh, where the business should be and how the business should place itself and all that stuff. I guess about every six months we'll be looking at where we are, where we should be doing, should we be hiring, what, we, what our goals are for the next period.
0: And as you were saying, you are working so many hours more than a nine to five traditional worker Mm -hmm. how do you keep your work-life balance especially during COVID like it's quite easy to stay at home however staying at home you still find yourself probably
1: in front of your computer always I and I worked from home actually pre-COVID I've been working from home since I started freelancing other than when I travel and VIP parties and everything we had actually just started thinking about doing like a co-working space to get an employee in when COVID hit and we're like okay I guess we're not doing that right now so yeah I I find work-life balance for me that's a huge question and a problem my kid would say I don't have any i would say i don't have any but at the same time i mean it's just hard to (laughs) add but every time you feel you have some The thing is, I love my work and the cl- and so many of my clients and my friends and so many of the projects I work on are stuff I would have been doing anyway also, you know, like the activist side of things and other things. I feel like I literally, when I wake up, the first thing I do is check my email and I'm usually answering my email before I got a coffee and I'm up till three in the morning working. So it's almost no exaggeration to say that if I'm awake, I'm working. But, and that, <laughs> that sounds horrible, but it doesn't feel horrible. It doesn't,
0: especially for a freelancer. People will think like you're attached so much to your email, to your phone, to your device. It's like, this is
1: work for me. I love this yeah and the fact that I have this all with me 24 hours a day means I don't have to be in an office nine to five I so resonate with you <laughs> now let
0: me know where can my listeners connect with you and find out about what you offer
1: and anybody if, if this has been a value and you're interested in hearing more I literally work right across you know from my home here but right across the english-speaking world so anywhere where there's English language media I can work on getting you major international media attention no matter where you are I can get you media attention stateside and everything else too so if this is interesting let's have a Conversation. I can do a free half hour consult or even an hour. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody who heard me here. And they can reach me at lamorimedia.com or by email at Tracy Lemori PR Media or on Instagram Tracy Lemori PR Media or on LinkedIn Tracy Lamory.
0: This has been amazing, Tracy. If you have any other thoughts you would like to share with us before
1: we close this down, no, just thank you so much. I really appreciate it as well. And hopefully we'll get to hang out in Colorado one day. My brother's there. So, yes,
0: <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you for unpacking all the advices for us you gave us so much to do and we have already a to-do list where to go and what to do and your journey is impressive to all of us and I'm hoping all the freelancers out there have something to learn and apply in their own business and get to the position you are today
1: thank you so 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 much
0: Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be grateful if you can leave a review on iTunes and tell me what you love about it or share with someone who might need future insights regarding freelancing. And don't forget to subscribe to stay on track with all the upcoming episodes.